Welcome to Podcasts, recorded live at the Center for Spiritual Living in Portland, Oregon. Listen past the end of the podcast to find out more about our spiritual center and ways that you may collaborate with us. Good morning, and welcome to the Portland Center for Spiritual Living. Wherever you are on your spiritual journey, you're most welcome here. All that we ask is something simple, that if you're up for changing your entire life, you have to be willing to change your mind. I'm Reverend Larry King. I'm the senior minister here at the center. Well, today we're going to be talking about learning and developing mental equivalence. And in fact, we're going to explore three different techniques for doing this. This month, I'm bringing you the best, the best in spiritual principles, the best authors, and the best techniques for bringing newfound success into your life. We started with Ernest Holmes and the Law of Cause and Effect. Last week, we went with Prentice Mulford, one of the early creators of this idea that today we call the Law of Attraction. And today, I'm going to use the author Emmett Fox to learn about the Law of Mental Equivalence. The, the book I have here by Emmett Fox is a transcribed lecture that he gave at the Unity Organization in, uh, in 1938. It's called The Mental Equivalent. And I wanted to give you just a little bit of background on Emmett Fox. Some of you who might be new to the teaching may not have heard that name before. And how would I say it best? He was a rock star back in the in the 20s and 30s he commanded audiences of 5 and 6000 people per sunday in fact in 1938 they were working out of the new york hippodrome one of the largest theaters in new york city and shortly after that they outgrew that space and had to move to carnegie hall can you imagine going to church on sunday in new york to carnegie hall well, uh, Fox had some stunning contributions to the ideas uh, in New Thought, but I think the most important one is this idea of the mental equivalent. Now you might ask, how is that different than what we've learned before? We've already learned that our thoughts become things. We've already learned about the law of cause and effect and how our, our mental thoughts those causes have a physical effect in the world. How is this idea of a mental equivalent different? Well, to begin with, I think Fox recognized that ideas are not isolated things, that our thoughts tend to go in the, how do you want to say it, themes or, or collections of thoughts? Uh, for an example, not very many of us have a, a single thought of, uh, of like loss or lack, right? They usually go together in kind of a theme of our minds, and, and many of the ideas will be collected together. For instance, maybe we're having relationship troubles, and when we examine it further, we notice it's not just a single thought that, that my relationships don't always seem to work out, right? We combine a whole variety of thoughts, maybe that relationships are, are always difficult, maybe a belief that most relationships or most marriages are short-lived. Maybe we believe that communication with the people we love is difficult, or maybe we think that we always attract the wrong people into our lives, right? Notice that there's a, a theme here, not just an individual thought or belief. 
And so the idea of a mental equivalent is really to address this entire theme, this in, entire way of thinking. And the idea of a mental equivalent it is that entire pattern of thought, that entire theme that goes with a series of thoughts. To give you an example, you know, when I first moved to Portland out of, uh, out of college, I, I was out of work. My parents had loaned me a couple months of rent for a small apartment in northwest Portland. And I was in that job hunting mode, right? And I remember very carefully, and this was before I knew anything about the science of mind or new thought, uh, but I very carefully built up a mental equivalent of my new job. And so in my mind, I, I had the idea of where I'd like to work, which was downtown Portland, because it seemed uh, exciting to a young person and full of opportunities. I liked the idea of, of doing something that was positive for humanity. I liked the idea of being paid well, but also the idea of being flexible in what my work was like. And I still remember several times before I got my first job, I would ride to downtown from where I lived in northwest Portland on the bus, and I would just walk around downtown visualizing myself, picturing myself working in some of the buildings down there. And I still can remember on one of my trips, I was in the south end of downtown walking on First Avenue and Second Avenue. And I remember, I remember it was lunchtime and I went into the Blue Cross and Blue Shield cafeteria. They had it open to the public. And although it was 99% employees of Blue Cross and Blue Shield there off uh, First Avenue, the actual building, of course, was open to the public. I went in and had lunch. And I still remember myself sitting there thinking, yeah, this is the building that I work in and helping people in terms of Blue Cross and Blue Shield to have affordable uh, health insurance and so on. And I remember taking the elevator up in the building and pretending that I worked there. I'm sure people wondered who that young man was, but I was dressed appropriately like that. That was one of the issues. I knew that if I wanted to get a nice job, I had to look presentable. I had to be kind of ready. And so here I was really with what we're talking about, a mental equivalent of me working downtown. Well, I want to tell you, I got a job. Now, it wasn't with Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Oregon, but you know what? It was literally across the street from that cafeteria, and it was even a nicer building uh, than the Blue Cross and Blue Shield building at Harrison Square there. And it was where I was to have a career of 20 years with the telephone company. A good job, uh, at the time a job that was well coveted and, uh, and well compensated over the years. Now, a couple things I want you to notice about this. First of all, I really put myself into it, right? I dressed the part. I dressed with expectancy. I actually got on the bus as though I were going to work. I fantasized a bit, but, but in the fantasy, I saw myself fully present. I was riding the elevator, right, up to my office. It sounds corny, and yet it was a beautiful example of a mental equivalent long before I even knew what a mental equivalent was. I also want to point out something else. Notice that I did not have a fixation on exactly what was going to happen. I had an expectation 
that I was going to get a job and that it was going to be in an area of town that I wanted. I had an idea of where that was going to be and what the job was like. But notice it wasn't my exact idea. And I was okay with that. There was a flexibility in me. I, I wasn't going to try to specify the job to too great of a detail because I wanted an openness. I was willing to have spirit bring me something maybe even better than I could imagine myself. And so the idea here, the idea is being specific but not overly specific. When we build this mental equivalent, there has to be some wiggle room for spirit to guide us maybe even into something better than what we could imagine. So we may target in general what we want to receive, what our life in general would be like, and, and with many of the details that are more specific, but we also have to allow for that flexibility. I didn't end up working at Blue Cross. I didn't end up even being on the telephone as I thought I would be talking to people. Uh, instead, I was doing data entry for the telephone company. Still a good job, still part of uh, my new life unfolding in the city. So that's an example of a mental equivalent. And you might be asking, how do we move forward? How can we begin making a mental equivalent for ourselves? Um, well, Emmett Fox says there has to be two criteria, and I'll, I'll read them to you here. First of all, a rich and personal set of ideas, images, thoughts about what we want. So that's the specificity around what we want, what we're going to accept in our lives. And it has to include both details, but also wiggle room, that wiggle room to allow God to bring us something even more fabulous. But the second piece of it, equally important, is a feeling of interest and acceptance. We have to put ourselves into that idea of the mental equivalent. We have to own it. We have to be part of it. We have to be interested in it. We have to be able to accept it into our lives. Even, even as I was walking around in downtown Portland, it felt right. It felt like I was a part of it. I was interested and accepting of what job would come my way. And that feeling part of it, that emotional part of it, you know, that's something that often in Science of Mind through Ernest Holmes that we, we neglect. We, we build the template, but we're not in it. We don't have an emotional interest in it. And so that's the other thing about Emmett Fox that I love. To him, that open-heartedness, that acceptance, just as important as the ideas and beliefs themselves. So it's that combination of the, the idea, the combination of the, the visuals and the characteristics of what we want, and our emotional content. The idea that we're contented and in the middle of it. It's that, that wonderful combination that makes what Emmett Fox calls a true mental equivalent. Okay, so what's next? Uh, I think the joke is next. So little Johnny has on his baseball uniform, he's standing at the plate. He says to himself, oh boy, I'm the best batter in the world. Well, the ball is thrown, he swings, he misses. Strike one. Well, he adjusts his hat, he concentrates on the ball in the pitcher's hand, and he says to himself, I am the, the best batter in the world. Well, the ball is thrown, he swings, he misses. Strike two. 
Well, he adjusts his hat again and kind of stamps his feet a little bit. He visualizes the ball coming straight at him. He, he hears the sound of the crack of the bat as it hits the home run. He hears the crowd roaring with his success right in his own mind. And he says to himself, I am the best batter in the whole world. Once more, the ball is thrown. He swings and he misses. Strike three. Well, he thinks for a minute about what just took place, and, and he says, maybe I'm the best pitcher in the world. And so what I want to talk about next is the idea that practice makes perfect. You're going to have to uh, bear with me on this one. But I think so often we give things a try or two, and then we give up and switch gears. We, we take our, our one turn at bat and strike out, and we say, you know, baseball's just not for me. Well, part of the issue with building a mental equivalent is that we have to stick with it. We have to, to practice it. Now, we've just examined a couple examples already today of building a mental equivalent. We did one in the contemplation that we did together. And then I also gave you an example of one, how I acted one out in the world. But you know what? It's not enough to just do it once. Our minds are kind of complicated things. And over the years, we've built up a series of ideas and beliefs. We have our own mental equivalent of the way things are right now. We're always building mental equivalents. It's not that we just create a new one. It's more like we have to let go of the old one and build up a new one. And so this takes practice, and I want to lead you through a couple more practices that we might use, but I also want to encourage people to begin building a daily practice of some sort, whether it be prayer, whether it be a visualization, whether it be a contemplation, and we'll talk about a couple more here. In fact, if you're willing, I'd like to to lead you into one more spiritual practice, actually two more spiritual practices before we close today. So let's talk about the idea of visioning, and I'll lead you in a short visioning. The idea of visioning is that we ask spirit for the highest vision of our life. And so once again, to put that into perspective, if we have an area in our life where we wish to see more success, more improvement, we focus in on that area and ask our higher wisdom self, ask spirit how we might enhance that. What would it be like? What would it feel like? What would I need to let go of? What would I need to embrace? And so if you're willing, I invite you just to close your eyes again like we did during the contemplation. Just rest easily. There's one power, one presence, one life, one spirit, one goodness that is everything. Every good and successful outcome in the world encompassed within spirit and accessible to us. Accessible to us because we are one with the divine. Accessible to us because we are intimately involved. Spirit talking to spirit. We begin with our our eyes gently closed with the first visioning question. We ask, what is spirit's highest vision for abundance in my life today? Let's focus for a moment on the idea of abundance and what that means to us. 
It's something that many of us would like to have greater success in. We ask again the first question, what is Spirit's highest vision for abundance in my life? We ask and we listen. We allow the thoughts, the ideas, the words, the symbols, the beliefs. We allow that that best idea of abundance to come into our lives. And next we ask, what does abundance look like and feel like to me? What does abundance look like and feel like in my life right now? We ask and we listen. Just allow the thoughts and the feelings just to come in from that connection to spirit. Allow your intuition to bring those images, those feelings, those thoughts, those sensations. What does abundance look like and feel like in my life right now? Next we ask, what must I release in order for more abundance to come to me? Are there old ways of being? Are there, there blocks and feelings of lack or limitation? What must I release in order for more abundance to simply be drawn to me? We ask and we listen, what must I release? Is it fear? Is it doubt? What must I release? Next we ask, what must I embrace to attract more abundance to me? How can I be more attractive to that which I am seeking? What needs to change in me? What must I embrace to attract more abundance to me? We ask and we listen. Our last question, what is the next step in bringing more abundance into my life? Every journey begins with a single step. And so we ask, what is that next step? What is that first step towards bringing more abundance into my life? We ask and we listen. We allow spirit to bring us an idea, a thought, a message. What is the next step in bringing more abundance into my life.
And so we give thanks for this time of visioning. We, we give thanks to the ideas, the thoughts, that connection with spirit that, that leads our intuition into building that mental equivalent of greater abundance, of, of a life that is full and fulfilled, a life of success. We give thanks, we let it be, and together we say, and so it is. So that's an example of, a, of another technique, one that we call visioning. And you can use it, of course, for any particular topic. Today I led you in a visioning practice around the idea of more abundance, but it could be used around the idea of a new job, a new living situation, improved relationships. Really the key is that we're, we're simply asking our higher wisdom self to help us build that mental equivalent of success in some area of our life. Well, you know, we've covered a couple different ways of building mental equivalence today. Some designed for people who can picture things easily in our mind. Another one for people who like to listen to someone's voice and create that. You'll notice in envisioning, although I didn't ask you to, that you could have been taking notes. Some of us who are attracted to the idea of writing or journaling might have wanted to take some notes to help build up that mental equivalent. Well, I'm going to briefly cover two more techniques. This is such, a, such an important thing, this idea of building a mental equivalent. And what I know is that there are many different ways of approaching it. This weekend, yesterday in fact, one of our licensed practitioners created a, a vision board quest. The, the idea of cutting out newspaper articles, uh, the idea of cutting out pictures and words and ideas and fashioning them on a, a physical board, pasting them down and building a very visually oriented idea of the future in some area of their lives. Uh, Sylvia Kearns, one of the folks here at the center, one of our licensed practitioners, created this online workshop of doing that. Another great way, especially for artists and visually oriented people, to build a mental equivalent because it's actually using pictures, actually using the visual idea of how you would see your life in the future in some newly successful way. I do want to go into depth in one that isn't done as often and yet is very powerful. And this one specifically is useful for people who do like writing things down, that kinetic process of, of actually writing down and capturing their mental equivalent. Whether you want to think of it as journaling or whether you want to think of it as brainstorming or note-taking, it's very easy to do. You simply sit down with a, a pad and pencil or pen and just ask yourself a few questions. And in fact, uh, I don't even present them as questions, but more like fill in the blank. One of those exercises where you take off the top of your head what you're thinking about. And so, so allow me to lead you in this. Now, for those of you who do have a pad of paper and a pencil handy, that's cool. But otherwise, just observe how this works. So I'm going to give you a sentence stub and your job would be to fill in just four or five answers around that sentence stub. And you could easily do this just in your mind or on paper and pencil. Uh, for this one, I took the idea of coming up with improvements or success in relationships. And I'm uh, dedicating this one to LaRonda Steele. Her song, A Letter to God, reminded me of this technique. Because in a sense, what we are doing is writing a letter to God. 
So the first sentence stub is, the best relationships are. So using your own mind, your own creativity, how would you finish that sentence? The best relationships are... And of course, I went through this ahead of you. So I wrote down, the best relationships are loving. The best relationships are respectful. The best relationships are complimentary. They're trustworthy. They're loyal. They're, they're filled with fun and interest. And so normally you, you try to fill out maybe four or five answers to complete the sentence of the best relationships are. And you'll notice these could be tailored to any area of your life. It might be the best jobs are. It might be the best houses or or places to live are. So you can focus in on any area of your life as you're doing the sentence stubs. The next question or the next statement that I filled in, my strengths in relationship are. So here we're going to focus in on me. What am I really good at in relationships? What do I bring to the table? And so I wrote down my strengths in relationships are I'm a good listener. I'm a caring person. I'm willing to work through things. I'm non-judgmental. I'm I'm easygoing in relationships. I'm willing to participate. So those were some of the strengths I wrote down about relationships when I came to the sentence stub. My strengths in relationship are. And again, it could be my strengths as a worker are, or my strengths as an entrepreneur are. Right? So whatever it is, that area you're focusing in, just tailor the, the uh, sentence stubs to focus in on that particular area where you're wishing to have more success. The fourth sentence stub is my fears about this relationship are. So you'll notice I'm zeroing right in on the particular area that I want to improve. My fears about this relationship are I give up too much of myself. I'm not appreciated. My fears are that I hesitate to end or change poor relationships. Just a few ideas. Of course, yours would be different. But the idea here is we want to focus in on maybe where I'm not up to stuff around my own fears. And then the last sentence stub that we build is my desires for this relationship are, and again, you could customize that to my desires for this new job, my desires for going back to school, my desires for peace with my neighbor, whatever it is uh, where you're wishing to see changes. So my desires for this relationship are more honest discussion, willingness to stand up for what I want and believe to be true, Willingness to tackle difficult topics. And my last one, my desires for this relationship are more fun. So, so again, paint that picture in your own mind of what it is you desire. So here was a, a journaling way of building up, once again, that idea of mental equivalence for ourselves. I've given you some techniques But remember back to the joke. We don't want to give up after just giving this a cursory try. We want to make sure that these new ideas, that this mental equivalent is in the forefront of our mind going forward. My recommendation, and of course this is part of your homework for this week, is to build the creation and the maintenance of a mental equivalent into your daily life. 
Now, I would recommend at least once a month completely going over your mental equivalent. What needs to be fine-tuned? What needs to be changed? And whether this is going through the visioning process again, or whether it's uh, tidying up your vision board, whether it's filling in the sentence stubs again, or whatever other technique you have for visualizing or documenting what it is that you wish to be successful at, remember those two key goals that we have. It has to have a, a good detail, and it also has to have your investment in it, your emotional acceptance of it. So once a month, again, you want to fine-tune those mental equivalents, what needs to change, what needs to be built up. But then I would suggest on a daily basis, you want to remind yourself of that mental equivalent. So whether it's looking at your vision board, that visual reminder, whether it's looking over your written notes, whether it's writing some uh, affirmations or reciting some affirmations that we learned about last week, you'll want to be keeping this vision, this idea, this mental equivalent in your mind at least once a day, some way of reviewing it. And so that is your homework. I invite you to use one of these techniques that we talked about. We've talked about the contemplation that we started the service out with. We've talked about the idea of doing visioning, of writing down sentence stubs. And then I even mentioned a Sylvia's a treasure mapping or storyboarding process of using magazine cuttings to build a vision board. Use one of those techniques to develop an initial mental equivalent in some area of your life. What would the ideal relationship look like? What would the ideal job look like? What would the ideal new home environment look like? Or, or the best way of moving forward? What would that look like? And then I invite you on a daily basis to simply review it. Simply make it part of your life. So I want to close today with a final quote from the book here and, of course, the prayer. So this is from Emmett Fox, The Mental Equivalent. He says, So the key to life is to build in the mental equivalence of what you want and to expunge the equivalence of what you do not want. How do you do it? You build in the mental equivalence by thinking quietly, constantly, and persistently of the kind of thing you want. And by thinking that has two qualities, both the clearness or the definite of that thought, but also the interest, the emotional impact. If you want to build anything into your life, if you want to bring health, right activity, your true place, inspiration, if you want to bring right companionship, and above all, if you want a greater understanding of spirit itself, Form a mental equivalent of that thing which you want by thinking about it a great deal, by building it into your life, by thinking clearly, and by thinking with interest. Let us pray. There is one power, one presence, one life, one goodness, only this one thing. And what I know about this one thing is it's the good thing. It's the life, it's the love, it's the health, it's the joy. It's the abundance. It's the peace. It's all good things above all love. As we each visualize ourselves filled with success in some area of our lives, we give thanks 
in knowing that the source is spirit itself. We give thanks in seeing our success in it. We give thanks for that, that surety that our mental equivalents create the life of our dreams. With gratitude, I release this prayer into the activity, into the action of the law itself. I let it be, and together we say, and so it is. Now is our time of conscious giving. I invite you to take your gift or your tithe. I invite you to embrace this idea of giving and receiving. If you'd like, you can repeat after me. Graciously I give from a place of love, knowing that as we give, so do we richly receive. For those of you at home, of course, you can log on to cslportland.org and there's a donate button at the bottom of any of our pages there. Just click on the donate button and we would be very happy to receive your donations. Thank you very much. Take care and bye. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. If you happen to be in the Portland, Oregon area, we'd love to have you visit in person. The Portland Center for Spiritual Living is located at 6211 Northeast Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard. We have inspirational services at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. every Sunday. We also have many programs, classes, and workshops developed just for our online audience. To find out more, go to our website at cslportland.org and look under the Online tab. We have a variety of content dedicated specifically for our podcast listeners. Our mission is to open hearts, ignite minds, and make a difference. If you'd like to support our center and its podcasts, you can donate online at cslportland.org donate. Our website is also the place to learn more about what's going on at the center or to contact us. Allow us to become part of your extended spiritual community. Wherever you are on your spiritual journey, you are most welcome at the Center for Spiritual Living.